dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. We're so happy for all of you to join us. My next guest has been a featured guest on Cannabis Radio. You have heard her name, and you might remember only a few years ago, she actually was one of the co-hosts of our coverage for our historical 2016 election night coverage, which was really, that was, wow, that was a historical date for more ways than you can imagine. So for the past decade, she's worked with cannabis and hemp based businesses and has spoken to various related topics. So we're going to go ahead and talk all issues in banking legal with the managing partner of her new firm, Bianca Brandt and Hale, Laura Bianchi. Welcome back to cannabis radio. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's always fun when I get to talk to you guys. So I appreciate you having me back. We consider you family here on the network. So we're glad, as always, to give you a platform. And there's so many different issues I'd love to get your take on. Let's get started. Okay. Go to August 20th. The National Credit Union Administration, or the NCUA, announced that federally insured credit unions may offer financial services to legal hemp businesses, a promising step toward legal banking for the broader cannabis industry. Although the Treasury Department has published guidelines for banks to provide services to the cannabis industry, including marijuana, hemp, and products derived from marijuana and hemp, such as CBD, financial institutions have been slow to work with businesses in the industry due to the contradictory legal status of cannabis, particularly marijuana, at the state and federal level. With these new regulations, the NCUA, which is an independent federal agency that ensures credit unions against bank failure, similar to the FDIC, will help open the door for overt regulatory acceptance for banking in all aspects of the cannabis industry. I didn't know about this, but this was really opened my eyes. Talk to me how well this could serve hemp growers and could eventually roll over to cannabis growers. Well, I mean, it's a huge step forward um, for the hemp industry. And really, it does it does help globally because we all know this, right? At, at the base of these two subject matters, you know, there's a legal dispute, of course, because hemp now, because of the farm bill, is legal on a federal level. Cannabis, unfortunately, still is not. But right. because we're talking about really the same plant, at least at the beginning, there has been so much confusion between the, you know, hemp products and cannabis products. So while this is a big step forward for the hemp industry, uh, you know, our hope is that it will, it will open up the banking industry across the board because they're, you know, what we're trying to do is educate financial institutions on providing banking services, providing transparency, all of the different things, you know, these are businesses that are legal from a state perspective. Of course, hemp is legal from a federal perspective as well. But, you know, it actually benefits everyone from the federal government to the state government, you know, to the IRS, to the industries themselves <laughs> to provide banking services. It, right. It's just, it's, it's so crazy to me that that's where, you know, that's sort of the hill everyone wants to die on. And it makes no sense from a regulatory no. or just a tracking and security perspective you know, let alone a business perspective. So, I mean, I'm just really so it's curious. frustrating. Exactly. So, but like I said, anything that will open the door, we know the Safe Banking Act, I'll, uh, right. sure, I'm going to talk to you about that very shortly. We're going to yeah. actually bring that up in the next, my next point. This is what I want to okay. talk about when it comes to the Safe Banking Act. And this is a lot of text to go through, so bear with me, please. As yeah, of March of 2019, 
There are at least 633 depository institutions that provide financial services to the cannabis industry, the most controversial aspect of the cannabis industry from the perspective of federal law, according to the U.S. Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN. Now, banking services are critical, facilitating more, larger transactions, discouraging criminality, making it easier to conduct business safely. Lack of access to banking poses a significant problem as the legal cannabis industry continues to grow rapidly and exponentially, hitting an $11.9 billion valuation in 2018, up to $66.3 billion by 2025. So now, generally speaking, banking in the cannabis industry is quasi-legal. The federal government tacitly permits banks to support the industry and even provides official guidelines for how banks can provide financial services to cannabis businesses. This support, however, is technically illegal under federal law. FinCEN has issued guidance as to how financial institutions servicing state legal marijuana businesses can comply with federal regulations, but some banks are still reluctant to enter the market. The rest, this reticence is due both to the fact that it's not unambiguously legal to bank cannabis businesses generally, and also due to banks' concerns that supporting marijuana businesses while marijuana remains explicitly legal under the, the Controlled Substances Act, they can theoretically be characterized by prosecutors as aiding and abetting or even money laundering. Such characterization can be the case even with respect to cannabis businesses that are otherwise legal at the state level. Federal legislators have come close to passing laws that would remove all doubt to what these banks already do and what FinCEN already implicitly permits. And that's, we've talked about the Safe Banking Act. It's a bipartisan mm -hmm. bill with broad support, including for numerous states' attorneys general, protecting financial institutions that provide banking services to cannabis companies, including marijuana companies. And it's a compliance with applicable state law from adverse federal enforcement. That context is clear. And we've talked about that extensively on the pro, this show here. Right. So this situation, that's, uh, please let me know if I missed anything in that, in that context. And would the Safe Banking Act ultimately be the resolution for these banking issues? So I think it's, it's certainly a significant, and I do mean a significant step towards resolving those issues. Now, you know, true resolution, unfortunately, is never going to come until we have, you know, until the federal law catches up with state law, right? Well, while we have that conflict, you're always going to have, you know, concern. Banks and financial institutions are not known for being particularly adventurous. They are very risk adverse, right? Which is a good thing. They're handling money. We understand that. But, you know, this is not made up of a bunch of entrepreneurs. They are bankers. <laughs> so, you know, anytime you have something that by, by the mere fact alone that it's illegal from a federal perspective, that's enough for a lot of financial institutions to say no. Like, it's, it's a risk. We don't need the risk. It's one that we don't feel like we can control. It's one that, you know, especially because they don't have a, a strong understanding of the industry, it's, it's very easy for them to say, nope, not, you know, just not our hill to die on. It's not something we are, we are concerned about. The Safe Banking Act will, however, do a, a, a it will take us, significantly forward for those financial institutions that look at this as a business that is still, you know, number one, it allows them to grow and expand. It allows them to provide a service that maybe other banks aren't, which means they're going to generate revenue. They can charge fees. From their business perspective, it does make sense for some of these banks. And this will give them some additional, you know, protections, give them sort of a map that's a little bit more than the direction that's been provided so far. And I, and I think it will actually significantly help the industry because again, you know, 
I don't care what side I'm arguing. As a lawyer, it makes me nervous to not have banking services, right? It's absolutely silly. We don't want to force people to function in an all-cash world. Mistakes can be made. Issues arise. It increases security risk. It increases the, you know the risk for, you know, criminal activity. It does all of these things that we are working so very hard to remove from the cannabis industry, especially as it's legal in so many states now, right? So it's, you know, and I think a lot of people look at it and go, well, you know, look, you have a ton of cash. Like, is that really a problem? Sounds like fun. Well, it's fun for a minute until, right, you try and actually pay your insurance premiums. You try and make sure you can handle payroll or your insurance or paying your taxes, it's extremely difficult to pay things on a day-to-day operational basis without banking services, you know, and it's an additional cost that just, it buries business owners. And so I always say, look, you don't even have to like the cannabis industry, but would you not rather have business owners focused on operating compliant, safe, secure, positive businesses versus trying to figure out which bank account they can get payroll out of? I mean, it's just, a, it doesn't make sense whether you like the industry or not. So you know, I, I am certainly confident that the Safe Banking Act will go far to at least give more options, you know, and, and to help banks feel like they've got some structure to operate within. They can provide those services. You know, we expect the fees and things will probably be a little bit higher than, than typical. But I don't know anyone in the industry that, you know, it won't be happy about that because it's just it's an unnecessary burden that we place on this industry. And it's, it's just causing nothing but issues and complications. It's, it's very frustrating. Agreed. Totally agree. I'm here with Lori Bianchi, managing partner of Bianchi, Bianchi, Brant, and Hale here on Blunt Business. We're going to continue with more questions. And I want you to stick around for the break because I want to give you a, a, one thing to be said, and I'm sure, Laura, you would vouch for me on this, how important it is for cannabis companies to follow the letter of the law. Whatever is yeah. required, follow <laughs> the letter. Because I'm going to tell you a story, a case study that would show, honestly should – put fear into any cannabis company to make sure they follow that letter. How about a company that has now being set to destroy $12 million in biological assets, $65 million in inventory because they violated the terms of their license. We're going to talk about that company and talk more about uh, all things banking illegal with Laura Bianchi here after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. The cannabis industry is growing almost as fast as the cannabis and hemp being planted and harvested. Where, when, and how fast will the cannabis and hemp industries continue to climb? Who will be the people leading the charge into that promised land of profit? Let's pursue those answers and more 
with the Plant Profits. Welcome to another episode of Plant Profits. I am Bert Miller, your host. As you guys know, the purpose of this show is to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. Plant Profits, only on CannabisRadio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with Laura Bianchi, more a managing partner of Bianchi Branton Hill. I want to go ahead and go back to what I said before the break. I prefaced about following the letter of the law and a company, a Canadian-based company called CanTrust. You know, they're being set to destroy $12 million in biological assets and $65 million in inventory as a result of previous production that violated the terms of their license. Now, CanTrust had its license suspended by Health Canada on September 17th after the company was found to be growing cannabis in unlicensed rooms. Now, of course, much more uh, strenuous regulations Canada has, but when legalization comes to the states, who knows what kind of legalization is going to be played or what the state governing bodies right now for each state to state has in place now. But CanTrust is trying to get their production back up and running after the Health Canada shut down their entire operation. Since the suspension, the company has been allowed to cultivate and harvest existing crops and dry trim marijuana from those crops. Has been able to grow, they have been unable to grow new matches or sell its current inventory. In addition to destroying violation, the assets in violation, they said they also are taking measures to ensure future compliance, including improving personal awareness and upgrading the company's record-keeping and inventory tracking. Now, Cannabis Industry Journal, they reported that, quote, in a fraught world, where all parties are evolving rapidly. This also includes the big boys from Canada and several U.S. states, including California, supply chain logistics, and even contract agreements. If, license, if not licensing beyond, that requires an honesty, integrity, or level of transparency the industry largely has not achieved yet, quote-unquote. Now, this overall point was being made out of compliance and any step of the chain, including when your sold, product is sold via government agencies is already a recipe for disaster. So when you hear that story, you talk to your clients, talk to me what you tell them about the lessons that should be taken away overall that cannabis companies need to be more cognizant of. You know, I hate to say this and I try not to say it, but I told you so. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's sort of a vindicating yeah. moment. Yeah. Not that I am pleased for their for all they're going through. But, you know, look, as a lawyer, you know, I, I like rules. I like regulations. I like yes. structure. Um, I, I have told clients since the beginning, there is a certain amount of unknown in the cannabis industry because we are, we're growing, we're evolving, we'll ch we're changing. There is obviously a certain amount of risk. We all accept it. I'm comfortable with it. Obviously, if you're in this industry, you have to be. However, the rules and regulations that we do have 
that is the safest place that we can play within, right? And and so many individuals got into this business and they just wanted to run to the roar, right? There was money to be made. It's this green rush. Everybody's excited. And, you know, a lot of times it was like, Laura, oh my God, you're exhausting. I don't want to talk about the contracts. Like, why do we have to, nobody else is doing it. Look right. at what they're doing, right? It's cheaper. It's faster. It's annoying to follow the rules. And, and it's not even that they're, you know, trying to do things from a criminal perspective, right? Or that they're purposely, it's that it's just easier. And, and it is, it's more inexpensive. It takes less time. And I get that. I get that excitement, but I have said from the beginning as any evolving industry, regulators, enforcement, all of those things that come with a regulated industry, they're evolving too, and they'll catch up, right? So I understand that the guy down the road is doing this, but if you want to build your your company and your business into something that is, you know, has a legacy and makes a difference and actually has an impact on the industry, you've got to do it right. And this is a perfect example of what happens when, you know, when things go so wrong and you you let the, the you know, the your foot off the throttle when it comes to compliance, right? If you really boil down with the, it was a couple of rooms. Right. It was yeah. not that they were this company that just weren't, you know, they weren't compliant or they were acting criminally. If you really look at what happened, a lot of my clients and a lot of people in the industry would go, look, it's a couple of rooms. I get it. We'll get on it. We'll get them licensed. Right. It's devastating and it's costing millions of dollars and a reputation that they worked really hard to build. So yeah. it is it's not to be taken lightly. And I get it. And I understand that there are, you know, uh, there's a lot of things to take into account when you build a business. But in the cannabis industry, you've got to know the rules. You've got to make sure that your employees know the rules, that management, that you put emphasis on compliance because it trickles from the top down. And so, you know, if I have executives that aren't really paying attention and they, they don't put the necessary emphasis on how we operate and all the different approvals and rules and regulations you have to have, then everyone under knees will feel that same way. And this is the kind of devastation that can ensue, you know, because you just don't put the right amount of emphasis on it. It is, it's not a joke. It's very unfortunate, but it is, it's absolutely essential to building a business in the cannabis industry. You have to understand compliance. You have to have, you know, policies and procedures for compliance. You have to have management who make sure they enforce compliance. And you know, to me, you've always got to expect the worst, right? Expect that a regulator is going to come in your door tomorrow morning. And, and what's that look like for the company? And if you don't keep that in mind, again, I think we're going to continue to see this because there's just really been a pattern of just kind of complacency. Again, not, not any intent to do things wrong, but just not such an emphasis on doing things correctly. And, and I think we are seeing, you know, how devastating that can be. Now, Again, so we understand the importance of regulation. And now, of course, that's a Canadian company. But yeah. I'm, just, I'm just prefacing to all the companies here of, you know, the worst case scenario, because that's a worst case scenario if I ever seen one. Totally. It. And mm-hmm. people need to be aware. And I, I mean, this is sure. just the kind of the breadth of what you need to follow. And so, you know, again, people like you are here to make sure that's all possible. And I mean, you're welcoming and it's not going to be fun to do, but you are making it where the right people are there to go and make sure the proper compliance is, is followed. 60 minutes Absolutely. recently. Did, uh, thank you. I'm uh, so sorry. Uh, 60 minutes recently did a report on the California cannabis industry and uh, about how nearly three years ago after proposition 64, the law legalizing the adult use of the drug was passed. Now we've talked about this on the program as well. The issues with the black market, the California cannabis producers are not seeing the windfalls predicted and that 
regulations and a robust black market are cutting into legal profits. So we know Gavin Newsom has complained about this, not getting enough tax dollars for it. So there's a, an increase. He's going to look for that because he put his investment into it as he as it was legalized with Prop 64. We know the Bureau of Cannabis Control and law enforcement are doing their part. They're handling, managing thousands of complaints and thousands of yeah. illegal grows that are out there. So I mean, understood. But is there anything can be done from a legal standpoint? Can you go to the courts to help do something more to curb the black market to help these businesses out? You know, this is the difficult part. It's, it's always fun to be first, right? So California was the first in 1996. Unfortunately, the, you know, lessons learned, of course, hindsight's always 2020, but they didn't establish a very strong regulated program to begin with. So you had years of, you know, kind of a wishy-washy legal market that unfortunately allowed the gray and black markets to flourish, um, you know, and that's for a number of reasons. So California is, you know, stepping in and, and virtually trying to close Pandora's box and they're trying to back into regulation, which is astoundingly difficult, especially just with the sheer size of California, right? The size of California, the number of people and the, uh, you know, the roots that the black market and gray market industries have in California. So unfortunately, this is just one of those things that it's going to take time. It's going to take time and a commitment from individuals in the industry and consumers and patients to say, look, you know, we're also going to help and we're going to go and say, you know, we're only going to buy from from legal dispensaries and we're going to make an effort to, you know, enter into contracts at legal dispensaries, right? We've seen a number of even ancillary businesses and, you know, advertising and all these different groups that were just kind of allowing everybody in the cannabis industry in California to advertise and to participate in the market. And it's really going to have to be, you know, not only is it a legal endeavor, but it's got to be an industry endeavor as well, because this is something that's just going to take time and commitment to back into. I think it'll be an awesome program eventually but these initial first couple of years are going to be difficult and there's just no there's no shortcut not from a legal perspective not from a you know we've put the 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 map in place and now it's really up to the regulators the local municipalities and the industry itself to really commit to backing into regulation and establishing a, a you know a compliant and positive legal market and just not supporting the illegal market, you know, not saying, look, the prices are cheaper or the product is better or right. How do we make it that so that the legal dispensaries who are doing things correctly and it costs more money, right? The margins are different. What they're putting in and their requirements are different than the illegal market, making sure we're supporting those businesses and giving them the tools that they need to succeed um, it is really going to be important. But I, I wish I had a beautiful shortcut. There, there just isn't when you're backing into regulations. It's tough. Yeah. But it'd be nice to figure out if there was a way or if there was some kind of consolidation that can help with that because the black market needs to be figured out. And um, we're talking about this going back to April and where we are oh, with sure. now. And it's, you know, this is still a major issue. Colorado has this issue as well because in yep. Florida, Same I know what kind of regulation. product. Same issue in Colorado though too, right? Oh, right. Backing into regulation. I mean, it's, it's always tough to, to try to back into it. Oh, exactly. And I, and I know what products coming into Florida when this comes to black market, because I see what people are bringing in and they're saying, oh, yeah, this is a California or, or Colorado girl. I'm like, well, this is an issue that has to get, has to get resolved yes. some way. I want to talk about cyber risk coming up in just a mm -hmm. moment, but we're going to hold that off and we'll table that. All right, we're going to take a brief recess and then we'll come back with Laura Bianchi, managing partner of Bianchi, Branton Hale, here on Blunt Business after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. 
It's time to hem present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hem presents only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We've never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and, and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge at, that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back here with Laura Bianchi, managing partner of Bianchi, Brant & Hale, brand new law firm. And we want to talk about cyber risk in this uh, segment. Cyber risk is the greatest risk for cannabis distributors required to collect personal uh, identifiable information, including driver's licenses, credit cards, medical history, and insurance information from patients. State regulatory oversight further compounds the distributor's risk of cyber attack. So I don't know if this was a, a really big deal that you've had to deal with right now with clients in this area, but how much of a concern would this raise um, in your opinion or should it raise? Sure. I mean, so, it, you know, it, it, it depends on the state, first of all, and the rules and regulations. I think it's a little bit less of a risk because right now so much of it is, is regulated internally. So it's regulated by the state. You know, you can only do so much online because we can't transport product out of the state, things like that. So I haven't seen it be as, as large of an issue, but like in Arizona, I always tell clients, you know, you've got to treat the, especially the patient information, the same way that a doctor's office would, right? We've got to make sure that you're using, you know, your seed to sale tracking is obviously established. It's updated. You've got protocols and processes in place to protect patient information. Um, we always have to look at this from a marketing perspective, what we're asking for from, from patients and from consumers and how we're protecting it. So it's, it's something that, that comes up. I've not seen it be a, a, a massive issue because clients so far have taken it very seriously. And, yeah. and from a, a regulatory perspective, they do a pretty good job, but 
definitely as the as there's more adult use markets, as there's more marketing and advertising endeavors and things like that, it's going to be something that you know, companies are going to have to address to make sure that we're at all times safeguarding it, especially while we have that federal state law conflict. Because keep in, you know, in mind, especially in, in a lot of our medical markets, having a medical marijuana card, while we have protections in Arizona, you know, it's also a right to work state. So it can cause even issues beyond, you know, it's not just being pulled over and having the right to possess, right? It's also what are the rules of your employer? You know, it can create other complications when we're looking at family law issues, things like that. So privacy and confidentiality has, has even more far reaching, you know, implications than just, you know, protecting their medical information and their personal information. It can really cause issues in individuals' lives. So it's something that that absolutely has to be at the forefront of, of cannabis companies, you know, their minds and making sure that they're protecting that information and, and even the identity of their, their patients and consumers. In the same vein, would there be any concerns that you would have in the terms of the security of having uh, point of sale uh, services that you're working with to kind of work with, the, you know, stats or information that you have and databases of all these different customers or patients, what have you. And then also the issue of some companies using blockchain technology to handle financial transactions. Um, would that, would, is there any difference with that in terms of who you're working with when it's not internally being handled? Absolutely. I mean, it's a conversation I have that conversation, especially when I have with a lot of clients, because again, there's this excitement to, to market, right. To have reports to go through and we want statistics and we want to, you know, know who our patients are and who our consumers are and, and we want to build our business. But the, you always have to keep in the back of your mind, the importance of confidentiality. And a lot of times these third parties don't, you know, that's not, what their purpose or their goal is and not even that they're doing it purposefully. But if that information gets out, like I said, it's not only just from an identity perspective where you say, Oh my gosh, identity theft, it's something terrible because we've got this federal state law conflict and all of the different uh, stereotypes and issues and complications that go with this industry, you know, that information getting out can be really particularly devastating um, from a number of, of perspectives or in, for individuals. And so I always tell my clients, look, this is not Uber Eats. This is not right. We're not talking about just, mm. you know, their, their confidential information or it's a pain or something is difficult. Yeah. This is very, very important. And their information, ha even their identity has to be kept confidential. And so you've got to keep that in mind when you're looking to, you know, work with any sort of third parties, whether they're marketing, POS systems, the blockchain, all of those things. You've got got to, you know, be extra vigilant again, like a, especially in medical states, like a, a medical office would be. Laura, this is why we have you on. Every time you come on, <laughs> this is why we love having you on to go and give us real insight on all these issues. And I think we've covered a lot of ground. God, but also there's so much more we could talk about, but we're going to go ahead and leave it there. And I want to go ahead and let people know, listen, I point all these points across here because you know what, Laura is a great attorney. And she can help out with things like this. So I want to go ahead and direct some listeners, whether in Arizona and uh, are there, uh, does it matter where people, what, what people can come to you if they would like to have a consultation with you or your team? So they can absolutely contact me. They can uh, give us a call so I, or they can shoot me an email. My email, of course, is just laura at bbhcouncil.com. Uh, they can reach us at our firm at 480 uh, and I apologize, 531-1800, <laughs> mental block there for a moment. No um, we help clients throughout the U.S. Uh, so we've got great, you know, we're licensed in quite a few states. We also have co-counsel relationships throughout the U.S. And, and really pride ourselves on, on being part of the, you know, legal business and operational aspects of the cannabis industry. And so, you know, we certainly can help even outside of the state of Arizona and, 
you know, we're, we're trying to help build really great, positive, successful businesses as well. So it's, it's always our pleasure to work with people. And of course, just so you know, that for those that are listening, that Bianchi Brandt Hale, the you know, the other partners is, uh, oh, Justin Brandt and Jessica Hale, uh-huh. assisting clients right. with legal, administrative, regulatory, and business issues facing the cannabis industry. Again, bbhcouncil.com. And I also see you have your own website at laurabianchi.com for those that need to go ahead and yes. be able to reach out to you. And, uh, you know, I hope more people are going to get a chance to go ahead and follow up with you and do that. Again, Laura, thank you so much for being on and taking time with us. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it as always. It's always a pleasure. And so obviously if it's the firm is just opened up for business and obviously there are clients to be had. So if you're looking for someone that obviously has got great experience and understands this business, you know, inside and out, then please go and reach out to her team. If you are looking for legal advice or help, make sure to go ahead and make that call or reach out again, bbhcouncil.com. C-O-U-N-S-E-L.com. Some people might think the other way around, but <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Laura, thank you again. Uh, thank you again. And also thank you listen, for listening to another edition of Blunt Business. You can download past episodes of Blunt Business by going to CannabisRadio.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.